The views and opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the author and any content provided by the host or the guests of this podcast are based on their own opinions and upon information that they consider accurate or reliable. It should not be relied upon as such. The content should be only considered for entertainment purposes only. Thanks. Get your smoke on, I get your chill on. Let's get these conversations on. Crawling on moms and anybody who's living life. The Pop Moms Podcast is here. Talking all things cannabis with a mama twist, like a freshly rolled hemp joint infused with a bit of that, a bit of this. It's all part of the experience of life. Thanks for tuning in. You ready to begin? Then welcome to the PMP. Pop Moms Podcast. The Pop Moms Podcast, it's on The Pop Moms Podcast, it's the Pop Moms Podcast, oh, it's on Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host at The Pop Moms Podcast. This week, we're going to be speaking with Chelsea, who is the beauty in the brains behind Velvet Swing, which is a cannabis-infused lube. So go ahead, listen to her incredible, incredible knowledge about the cannabis plant, and her tendencies and how she used cannabis in her daily life. Keep blazing, stay amazing. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram um, at Pop Moms Podcast. We've got a lot of really awesome stuff going on. Um, so you can email us potmomspodcast at gmail.com and let us know anything you'd like us to research. Now enjoy and make sure that you go easy on yourself and do something that makes you smile. Peace. All right. So today we have the honor of speaking with Chelsea. Chelsea is a subject matter expert at Velvet Swing, which is a CBD and THC lube product. And today we get to ask her all of the questions. So first, we're going to learn a little bit about her and her history with cannabis use, um, how she get into the industry, um, and then we're going to talk about Velvet Swing and the really cool product behind it. Um, so first, tell me a little bit about your background in cannabis. Were you someone that was an early adopter that started smoking earlier or a late bloomer? Um, yeah, Kate, I was, I was a little bit of both, um, and I wanted to say also thank you so much for having me. I love uh, this podcast. I love that it exists um, because as a mom myself, it's just so wonderful to have those voices out there. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I was a little bit of both, and I can explain that a little bit. Um, I, I grew up mostly in central Florida um, where the cannabis is not great. It is really, really bad <laughs> garbage weed. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I did, I did smoke a bit when um, I was a teenager and in my very early 20s there, um, but I never really resonated uh, with the plant. It wasn't something where the effects were very pleasant. Um, it was, you know, it was really one of my least favorite things to do, and I just kind of only did it if it was around. Um, and then I moved up here to Seattle, Washington, and um, I, uh, I had an opportunity to try some of our excellent cannabis up here. And it was really, uh, really just night and day, a completely different world. Um, but still, it wasn't like, you know, my favorite thing to do. It was, it was just, you know, recreationally, I, it was like, okay, it was one of the things that, that might be available. Um, and then uh, I actually suffer from endometriosis. And I, um, yeah, it, it is awful. I know about 10% of uh, people with uteruses do suffer from this. And so it's, it's really bad. And it, it's something that a lot of times doesn't get enough attention, doesn't get diagnosed correctly. And that was definitely my journey. Um, so I had tried everything to deal with the pain. Um, and I'm talking crippling pain, like on the floor, fetal position, cannot move, screaming, vomiting, like terrible, terrible pain. That's horrific. Um, I feel like a yeah. lot of cases that endometriosis gets dismissed too often as just like yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, and I remember being told to toughen up about right. it. Oh, my God. Um, Don't get me. Yeah, yeah. One <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. And my, my track coach. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My track coach was like, you got to learn to run through it, you know, and I was like, oh my God. and, and, I thought I was just being a wuss. I really did. Um, and then finally I went into, um, that I had an excellent, 
um, gynecologist and he was like, you know, this really sounds like endometriosis. Um, and, uh, and so I had tried all these different things. They had prescribed, you know, painkillers, muscle relaxants, all these different things. Um, they put me on birth control, but it um, messed me up in other ways. And so I didn't want to be on birth control, hormonal birth control. Um, and nothing had ever really addressed this pain. And it was like two hours. Every time I got my period, it was two hours of crippling pain. And then one day I'm over at my friend's house and I'm dying <laughs> from endometriosis pain. Oh. And she says, here, do two bong rips. And I was like, oh God, I really don't want to smoke weed right now. And she was like, no, trust me, do two bong rips. And I, and I was huge light, lightweight at this point. And I took two large bong rips. Not only was the pain gone in 10 minutes, gone, but I wasn't even high. Holy cow. Yeah. And it was, yep. It was a complete turning point for me. That moment was a total shift because I realized, oh my God, there's really something here. Um, And uh, it really changed my entire career path. I I became a real evangelist, um, especially for sufferers of endometriosis, uh, for for this and for all the other applications where people find relief um, or even just pleasure because pleasure itself is medicinal. I truly believe that. Um, So it is, uh, you know, it was life changing for me. And um, I ended up going to work uh, in a medical dispensary uh, just months after that. That's awesome. So that was kind of your first way into the cannabis industry then? Definitely. Yeah. I, I started day one in the Washington legal cannabis industry. I, I started at Dockside um, in their, their medical spot um, way back in uh, 2011. Oh my God. That's so cool. I love, I love Dockside. I picked up an order there yesterday. <laughs> they're, they're so great. great. Wonderful yeah. humans, wonderful humans. I mean, they're struggling as much as anybody else is with the things that are going on with the industry now, but they're, they're a great store to support if you have one nearby. Oh, 100%. And they're actually located in a bunch of different locations. There's one in Soto. Um, we've got one out in Shoreline. Um, so it's definitely, depending on where you live, they're kind of a stone's throw, which is, which is really nice. I think there's one in Ballard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a Ballard. And I think they have one on Aurora as well. Um, mm-hmm. But they yeah. always hire really knowledgeable bud tenders. Um, and they've always had that kind of backing of the medical focus, which I think is, is really great for people who are looking for concerns. While we can't make medical claims um, right. or structure function claims, um, the people that they hire are, are tend to be, uh, I, my experience has been that they're, they're much more knowledgeable than, uh, than kind of, you know, the, the more recreationally focused bud tenders. And that's just a matter of like where their, their intention, where they're putting their intention. Yeah. It's amazing the difference between someone who knows how to facilitate what you're looking to get out of cannabis versus someone just trying to sell it to you. It's really a fine crafted art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of knowledge. And so kind of playing off of that um, and talking about normalization moments, I know for the cannabis industry, a big normalization moment was um, when cannabis shops were considered essential and they're allowed to be open right now. Mm-hmm. I know I, for one, was like, this is great. I really hope it's a turning corner, like turning a corner for people who maybe don't consume to be a little bit more open-minded. Um, and then also like, so have you had any other normalization moments where you realize that cannabis was becoming more prominent and more accepted? Like that's kind of the goal that I want to have is I want it to be normalized. I want people to stop feeling bad about its use. Um, do you have any personal stories that you've experienced that? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly what you shared just now is a really good example of that. And if I, um, had to pick one, I mean, this is probably, that would probably be the one that is most recent and relevant. Um, the, the thought that comes to mind is, um, uh, is really the, the breadth of customers that would come in when I was, um, because I have been doing, you know, well, I started off as a bud tender, right? So, so, um, just the difference in how things were when I first started and how things were when I left the retail industry, um, which was like four years ago. Um, and so, so just seeing, 
that change and seeing people come in where, you know, it used to, when, when the recreational when 502 passed, uh, we would have ladies come into the store, <laughs> older ladies especially, and they would be clutching their purse, you know, <laughs> like it was some kind of, you know, dark alleyware situation. And, and they would just be completely taken aback by the tone and the vibe, you know, of, of a modern cannabis shop. Um, and then seeing, uh, you know, now the conversation around those very same ladies, or even if you're, you're, you know, you're out to brunch or something like that, and you hear someone like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna, I just need to go home and I need to spend some time with my vaporizer and then I can deal with my son. <laughs> you know? Totally. It's um, a great way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it really is. And um, I know um, I might be jumping again here, but, but the, the thing that I, as a mom myself and, and as, in talking with other moms and parents generally, the, the thing that I really am, am always struck by is how due to stigma, we've really placed so, like we've, we've got cannabis in a really inappropriate place, like in terms of its federal scheduling, in terms of, um, you know, how we talk about it and what we think about it and all of that stuff. Um, but especially with parental, you know, parents using cannabis, I mean, it would be, it is so, so, so much safer and better a drug to combine with your parental responsibilities, especially in the evening, like, than alcohol, <laughs> you know? Um, and preach. I, preach, preach, I mean, preach. right, I'm sure this has been covered a lot on this podcast, I'm sure. I've never but, heard but, you know, say it more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I saw this, I saw this tote bag the other day that said, mommy needs a glass of wine. And I just was, I just had this minute of like, where's the tote bag that says mommy needs a joint? And why can't we have that tote bag? Yep. You know, like I want that I, tote bag and I want it to be cool for that right. to be around, you know? Yeah. No, same. And I mean, that's like, that's a, a really big point is one of the things during this isolation and quarantine and everything going on is I felt really bad that I was using cannabis a lot more. I'm like, oh my God, like, am I, you know, am I doing it too much? Like just, I don't know, from me as a, someone who overthinks literally everything, um, <laughs> you know, that like that being a very real thing. And, and, you know, it's like, it's getting, I would get excited to go place an online order and go pick it up because it meant I was getting out of my house. Right. Um, sure. At the same time, I'm like, oh God, like, oh, do I feel bad about this? Like, so I had to, there was like a week where I had to literally be like, you are a better person. You are a nicer person. You have a better time with your kids and your kids like you more. Like, because I can just let a lot of the control that I think I seek in some of these environments that we can't control. And mm -hmm. I think it's really beneficial. And I think now more than ever, I mean, like moms, dads, parents, people who watch over kids, like really need it. And I think that the more we can talk about it, I mean, the fact that I, I talk about it, like, oh, it's almost, just, and I'm sure you're the same way, like not ad nauseum, but it's, 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 I talk about it a lot. And for me to still be feeling that way, I have to imagine that a lot of other people are. So like after that kind of little moment, I think it was like the second weekend into quarantine, um, kind of just, you know, giving yourself or myself a little bit of a break um, has helped. And I'm like, nope, like I'm doing this because this, is what works for me. And I'm not going to feel guilty about something that works for me anymore. Yeah, exactly. Especially under these extraordinary circumstances. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who thinks that our, our categorizations of drugs are really, first of all, they're very racially informed mm -hmm. and they're very, um, they're very unfair. They're kind of ridiculous. The scheduling system is, is super problematic. Um, and, and I just think that, you know, the difference between, substance use that um that is non-problematic like and i i'm not sure like okay so probably we're not casually uh using fentanyl you right know? um <laughs> but but outside those main extremes i mean i think we need to take a really hard look at like what is like what is actually working for you i mean and the difference between somebody using a prescription drug off label that works for them for a uh, you know, for a, a condition that maybe they haven't been diagnosed with, but probably have, 
which would be considered problematic use, right? Um, Right. Versus recontextualizing that and going like, hey, it doesn't actually matter whether or not they have the designation, you know, of, of this, like this person is like, everybody uses drugs. Everybody wakes up in the morning, starts their day with a stimulant. Like the whole nation does this. And the only thing, (laughs) a delicious, amazing stimulant that should always be present. And, Mm -hmm. and I just think we need to sit, like step back and take a real look and maybe even the, the, um, the push and the normalization of cannabis use, because while it's happening slowly, it's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the That can be, I think, an invitation for us to talk about what we mean when we use, when we talk about drugs and drug use and like how, you know, m- most people who use drugs are, are, are fine, are not problem, I'm not having a problem with it. Um, and we need to call into question, like with psychedelics and things like that. Um, if we're not having a problem, what's the problem? Yep. You know, um, and, and this is just for people. I'm not talking about parents specifically, but just in general, like if, if it is not causing a problem in a person's life or affecting their health, um, I mean, really, what are we doing here? And yeah. I like that. That's great. I don't know if just, hearing you say it in that way I mean that's just like that's really clear you know what I mean you're like oh yeah no that makes sense we can proceed (laughs) (laughs) I wish we had we I I wish for us a saner like more rational conversation around this but you know probably that's not how it's going to go down most likely we're going to have this kind of puritan informed punitive type thing with us for a while so yeah Hopefully that's not the case, but unfortunately, I tend to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit better every day. Let's just hope for that. A little better every day. Exactly. One more person every single show. Hopefully, <laughs> so we'll yeah. go ahead and just start etching away at it for the next, you know, couple of years. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit more about your daily routine with cannabis. I find when we talk with other um, people who are in the industry, experts in the industry, and fellow moms, um, hearing how they go about their day. Um, can kind of give other people ideas for things that may or may not work for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this this might be, it might be surprising. It might actually not be surprising because it's kind of a trend within cannabis people um, that I am actually back to very low doses. Um, and uh, and I find that that's preferable um, for kind of supporting my health and well-being. Um, so I had, you know, I didn't want to smoke a lot of that Florida weed, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Terrible. So I never really had much of that. Um, but when when I started working in the industry, the availability of very high quality flour um, and other products too, um, you know, leads you to kind of be trying things all the time. And especially as a bud tender, you're trying things so you can speak in an educated manner about them. Um, so then you're like, oh my gosh, okay, well, and this is before I had my kids. So it's like, then you're, 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 you're smoking all the time um, and you're doing it all the time. And it, at some point it's kind of like, you know, it's less of a, I, you feel like you're almost not respecting the experience is how I felt, um, you know, and, uh, and I, I never got into dabs really. Like it never felt like, something that just never really appealed to me. Edibles really appealed to me a lot and topicals are my favorite thing ever. But um, I I just kind of like realized that like, okay, I'm doing this as a matter of course, rather than actually experience and paying close attention, um, kind of like as a mindfulness exercise um, when I'm experiencing these various products. Um, So I really backed it off and I did, I won't say microdosing because it is definitely above conscious dosing, like I am feeling an effect. I'm not, it's not subconscious. Um, But I'm really trying to treat cannabis today as almost like a fine wine or something that I'm like maximizing my understanding of the terps, of of the terroir, of all the different like elements of it and having as much appreciation for that as possible. Um, And I'm finding that I'm getting a lot more out of a lot less these days. So I think that's usually, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 you go, go. 
<laughs> um, right. So, so usually this is like after the day. I don't really during the day, um, and then you know after I get um, my daughter to sleep, I I will I have a little bubbler named Calliope. <laughs> Oh my God, that's <laughs> and she's so cute and she's purple and she's like my favorite perfect like thing um and uh and I'm such a princess like spotlessly clean I want to taste every turp <laughs> I love that um <laughs> it makes a difference yeah yeah it really does um so uh so yeah that's my, my partner and I will usually just share a bowl in the evening um and that's that's pretty much it for me as a daily thing um I I use topicals a lot. Anytime I'm having muscle strain or pain, those are like ongoing for me. Um, I've really, I mean, not only because it is my own product is based in the the principles of topical applications of cannabis, but also just because I have found them to be so effective um, for my own pain. Um, so I do, use, I use topicals probably like once a week. If I'm doing good and not hurting myself, Right. Um, then, then I don't need them as much, <laughs> right. but, uh, but yeah, I do. I, I just, I love them. And then of course, you know, there's the sexual applications, which, um, I wish I could say I was getting to use more often, <laughs> but, but usually I feel like every other time we, then, uh, then I get an opportunity to, um, use uh, my own product for for that application, so that's that's good when it gets to happen. <laughs> I know it's really funny, like looking at the you know your significant other for the majority of the day. By the time and, and having kids around too, I mean the stressors of that and working from home. And oh yeah, it's like oh my god, I just let's just go to sleep and hold hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. But we we talked about it today while during during uh, the kids' nap. I was like. You know, it's not that we have less desire. That's not what right. it is. It's the fact that you you usually you can't go with it when you have the desire. You have to like try to hold on your desire until nap time or bedtime. Right. You know? And I know you know this life. It's like how do you like you just have to hope it lines up. Right. Or you're both and you're not too tired. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> middle of the night sex is great though, honestly. When that happens, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's a magical little alignment. No, I totally think that. And I really like that you mentioned low THC because I think that like for a while there, it was like, I feel like it's um, when it's, it's legal, right? Then you're like, ah, cool. I just want to go and buy all of the really high THC. But mm. I really like um, in terms of especially incorporating it into a routine and having that routine involve children potentially is the low THC gives you a lot of the benefits without some of the spacey feelings that I will reserve for to your point later in the evening. So I'd like that you're talking about that. I think that this, I think that there's a lot to be unlocked um, just in terms of even like trend for low, um, low THC. I think that that's definitely going to be something we keep seeing more of. Pot moms rule. Yeah. Back in the medical days, I remember we got some mystery weed that had, that we, we got from a really good grower, but we hadn't tested yet. And so we, we all tried it and we all had the most amazing time. It was like the best weed that like seven, like, really serious cannabis aficionados had ever had. It was amazing, right? And a couple of days later, the test results came in and it was 7% THC. Awesome. And I, I think that that really stuck with me because um, my, my true thing that I'm really into is this complexity of phytochemicals. Um, so I don't, I never looked for the THC number. I never wanted to see how high I could get. I wanted to see how good my high could be. Um, and so I would look for the maximum complexity, the commitment to, you know, having that, that I, it's going to be sun grown. It's going to be, you know, using organic practices, clean, green certified, um, all of these things that would yield the like friendliest, most pleasant high. Um, and when you're getting that good of a feeling, it's not about how much of that feeling you have. It's like, you know, your first couple glasses of wine versus like your sixth, right? Totally. Yeah. 100%. I dig that. I think that that's really cool. And um, I always preface, so Eunice likes to smoke, like who I do this show with, she likes to smoke high THC ones. So whenever I, I won't, I'll do the same, I'll trick her and I won't tell her what it is or I'll be like, it's low. <laughs> and then, and then she'll like, Oh my God, it's so fun. I'm like, I told you, it's not about the numbers sometimes. <laughs> it's about how it makes you feel and like how goofy or silly you want to be. And so I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think, 
I get like really giddy because it's like there's so much to learn. And to your point, like I grew up in the Midwest, also did not have great weed. Um, and like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So it's like it went from being like, do you want weed? Yes or no. So do you want sativa or hybrid or indica? Or do you, and now like with terpene profiles and like learning more about that or like I, I won't look at a box, but then I'll try to like pick out if it's one that I didn't like personally pick out if my husband grabbed it or something like what what's involved in it and it's just cool it's something that you constantly get to learn about that makes you feel better and better based off more you know about it mm-hmm. that just Absolutely. Blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. all right so tell me do you have any favorite strains that you like to smoke um well that kind of that clicks into to what um what i was just saying which is um so i really believe that and I'm going to put an asterisk at the end of this. Otherwise, I'm going to get a bunch of angry cannabis people saying, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> I'm going to say don't yell strains, are, <laughs> strains are a myth, but that's not really true. I'm not actually saying that strains and, and are, like genotype is a myth. Like I'm not, I'm not really representing that. What I'm saying is they're an effective myth. Um, for the average person going into a store, and expecting a strain across growers, across grows to have um, reliable reproducible effects. Most of the time, that's not going to be something that they're going to expect and the consistent that, that they're going to, what they should expect and the consistency that they, that people purport to experience between, you know, DJ short blueberry from one grow versus like a blueberry that they get from somewhere else is really, I think, due mostly to confirmation bias and the expectation that we have that strains will be consistent. Um, There's been so much hybridization and so much, you know, pollution of, of lines and various different like, you know, how much is, you know, what is your grower's influence over the articulation of the strain? Which generation is it? Like all of these different things um, that I think that when the average person walks into a shop and is asking for blueberry, you know, um, to expect that like whatever blueberry they get is going to be the same as whatever other blueberry they get from somewhere else is, is just not reasonable. Um, so when I say strains are a myth, that's what I mean. It's like for the normal person going in and like not not knowing the full background of the grower and their processes and what they were seeking to achieve with this particular iteration of blueberry and all that stuff that like we like to nerd out about. Right. <laughs> um, most people don't really get that granular and um, that's actually perfectly normal. Like why would you, you don't want that. You just want some blueberry, Right. Um, and so this kind of like consistency is a problem across the industry because what makes cannabis artful and beautiful is exactly that kind of small differentiation that then can get amplified over time that makes it almost a different, a completely different experience. Um, we want to retain that because that's what makes it awesome. And that complexity of phytochemicals is what I think gives us the most uh, friendly, most um, well-tolerated high and, and experience and effects. Um, but that comes at the cost of standardization. So when I go into a shop, I look at terpenes a lot. Um, I look at what the farm does. I do my research on the farms and, and what, you know, their growers are going for. Um, and, uh, and if pressed, <laughs> when pressed, um, to name strains as, as I am in my sex and cannabis workshops um, without fail, people are always asking me, you know, what are the aphrodisiac strains or what are the strains that'll make my wife horny? Um, funny. It's always guys that ask that question. So, so if pressed, um, I really like Jack Herrera. Um, crosses. Um, probably one of my favorite ones uh, has been um, this strain called XJ13, which was a cross of Jack Herrera and G13, the infamous Florida smuggled out strain. 
Um, and, uh, and that we actually, uh, we used to call it sex J13 because it had such reliable aphrodisiac effects. Um, and, uh, and I just, I love Jack Herrera. I just love that strain. I love the, if it's well articulated, I love the classic flavor profile. Um, and I also love Ewok. Ewok is the other one that I really, really enjoy. Um, if it's done correctly and you get that really great, great fruity hit with that really good differentiated head high and body high, just absolutely wonderful. So if I, if I'm, if I'm having to, to say strains, I will say those two. Um, but I do ask people as much as possible, you know, kind of unlock your brain, certainly unlock the idea of indica and sativa and just dump that in a garbage bin. Um, and unlock your brain, your idea about strains being consistent and look instead at each individual grow as its own beautiful iteration, articulation, and, you know, have a unique relationship with it each time. Well, sign me up to go to a dispensary with you because that was delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Let's do it. I'm down. Seriously. I love that. Once once the quarantine is over. Right, right. right. We'll, we'll maintain our distance until then. But once it's over, there's no holding me back. No. Um, so you've kind of taken some of the experience that you've had. We've kind of talked about the sexual aspect of it as well. So Paul, let's start talking about Velvet Swing. So what's the backstory on it? And how did you get involved with it? Oh, um, Velvet Swing. Well, let me actually start at the very beginning. Yes, because my journey, um, my my degree uh, is in sexual health, and I always thought that um, sex education, specifically adult continuing sex education, um, was going to be my career. Uh, but I graduated into the recession, um, and so then I had gone back to my shitty real estate job. I was doing uh, corporate leasing, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, and uh, and I had that experience with, with my endometriosis pain being relieved. And then I was laid off very shortly after that from my real estate job. And that's what put me on into the cannabis world, as I said. Um, and then I started exploring everything kind of pelvic health because I was already about sex education um, and sexual health. And um, so I was working at the dispensary. Uh, really part-time, and I was building my adult sex education business, um, and I had, like, five jobs. Girl, at one point, I, like, was, like, classic gig situation, like, all these different jobs, and, like, I am not a human being. I am a collection of marketable skills. What can I oh sell? <laughs> you know? Game-recognized game, girl. Game-recognized game. That's awesome. You know, that's what's, yeah, you know, that I could tell that's what you're about. <laughs> <laughs> So, and as part of this, I discovered the sexual applications of cannabis, and I was like, yes. And so I started experimenting with various um, recipes, and I started making um, cannabis-infused lube on my stove. And I was giving it to my friends, and that was very popular, and I was using it myself. And so I got a chance to kind of, you know, try a bunch of different arrangements of different grows with different terpene profiles and different types of um, genotypes and phenotypes for, for what, what kind of had the best result. And I was doing that for a long time. And then um, I got a call from my friend, Mistress Matisse, and we know each other from the sex ed world because she also does sexual education and we're kind of in the sex positive community, you know, together. And um, she had tried the lube that I was making on my stove. Um, And she said, I have a connection with a company that has a water-soluble technology, and I want to see if we can bring you and have them hire you to develop a water-soluble lube. And I was, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it was really cool. So, so yeah, um, at this point, did I mention I was seven months pregnant? I was, wait, no, I was five no, months pregnant at this point. Because of course you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was five months pregnant. And so I went to my interview with our CEO at a coffee house without this belly. He did not know I was pregnant when I went to the interview. So I, like, I can imagine when I arrived, he was like, oh, she's going to be taking some time off in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, they did hire me. Um, and then it was a... Uh, 
basically a race to uh, to the world, whether my child was going to get to the world or Velvet Swing was going to get to the world first. Both your children. Um, <laughs> yeah, both my kids, right? I had twins. Um, and it was uh, Velvet Swing uh, beat my daughter to the to the to existence by two Which weeks. Which is preferable. That's so cool. <laughs> Girl, oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> It was it was nuts. Is it? Well, I do not advise being in a startup when you're seven months pregnant. Do not recommend. One star. Would not yeah, do it again. Honestly, I don't recommend being anywhere except like a beach. Once <laughs> 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 seven eyes, it's brutal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you're able to create an entire product and then birth a child. Um, that's amazing. I don't know if there's many, I mean, women are amazing, but that's really taking it to another level. That's, that's oh, congrats on, on oh, everything. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. So talk to me about what makes Velvet Swing work and what makes like, what makes it great. Absolutely. So um, Velvet Swing is cool for a lot of reasons. And I, I'm the first to say that I'm, I'm a really shitty capitalist. I am not a good marketing <laughs> person, much to our CEO's chagrin. Uh, you know, I, I say if oil-based lubes work for you, you can use those oil-based lubes. Like that works for you. But, um, but Velvet Swing is different. It's extremely different um, for a number of reasons. And, and there was a really pressing reason to have an alternative to oil-based lubes. Um, the first would be that um, oil-based lubes are not compatible with safer sex barriers such as condoms, dams, and gloves. Um, so that's a, that's a huge thing right there. And most people don't know that oil, oils are not compatible with those safer sex barriers. Um, the other concern is that you know, they taste and smell like weed. And while that doesn't bother me necessarily, it bothers a lot of people and it does dissuade them from using, you know, cannabis infused oil, um, which really everything else on the market, again, no shade here. I'm saying this is, this is totally fine. But the reality is that all the other oil-based foods on the market are not really meaningfully different from what I was making on my stove. Um, There's stuff that you can make yourself and I'll even give you the recipe if you want to try it out like (laughs) um but um but velvet swing exists because um for many people with vaginas oils can be irritating they can stick around too long they can spoil quickly if they're not properly preserved um they do taste and smell like weed um and they stain they stain underwear they stain sheets and um, there's really a lot of drawbacks and a lot of reasons why people would not want to use them. So Velvet Swing was created to take all of the exact, all of the things that I learned when I was making oil-based lubes, perfect them, standardize them, and then present them in a way that doesn't have those drawbacks. Um, so we have a balanced ratio of THC to CBD. Um, THC is our primary vasodilator. That's what draws blood to the area, which is the reason why it, you know, quote, works. Um, The effect that most people experience with cannabis lubes is enhanced sensation, um, enhanced lubrication, and bigger, more powerful, more likely to be multiple orgasms. And uh, that is just awesome. So there's literally no downside is what you're telling. (laughs) Uh, That is my opinion. Personally, I'm like, yeah. Now, now, it does take some trial and error, and there are some kind of just unfortunate realities about using cannabis topicals for sex, cannabis lubes, and I'll tell you what those are, um, but, but, the, but the effect is really awesome. Um, it enhances the blood flow. THC is mostly that, although it does also have a little bit of that, that anti-inflammatory effect. Um, and then we have CBD. Uh, it's a three-to-one THC to CBD. CBD, as we all know, is pretty good antispasmodic. Um, it helps with the inflammation that can happen with micro tears that are even part of like gentle penetrative sex. Um, and uh, and sometimes, you know, as a woman, you carry around this tension in your pelvis that's kind of unco- unconscious, right? Um, you're constantly having to think about it. And if or you think about like how you're holding yourself, you know, like, am I moving yeah. my hips too much? Am I moving them not enough? Like, what's going on? Is that guy looking at me? Like, that kind of stuff, right? Um, and that can add up to painful intercourse if you aren't 
relaxed enough. And then the other thing that we put in there is terpenes. It's a custom and standardized terpene blend, which um, is based very specifically on the most successful um, grow that I used uh, to create my, my lube back in the day. So we just replicated that. Um, and that is, that is in there to enhance absorption and to kind of idealize the, the cannabinoids for topical application for sex. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what, what makes it work is, um, and, and what people can expect is enhanced sensitivity and uh, bigger, better orgasms. That's one of our taglines. That's really cool. Um, there's so much information around like the adding in the terpenes and all of that was really cool to kind of get like a peek behind the kimono, so to speak, um, <laughs> to see, you know, what's kind of going down behind the scenes. Um, so this is a water soluble technique, which I think is kind of unique or it's something that's kind of happening. Less oil to your point doesn't work with, um, contraceptives. Um, and then also it, it gets yucky in the sheets. Um, <laughs> So I love that it's water soluble. That's something that's kind of um, really unique to you guys. And how, yeah. yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not messing that up, right? That's something. No, we are the first, I mean, in Washington state, we are 100% the only water-based formula. Um, we are the first in the world. Um, and uh, we like to say first and finest um, because there are technically two other water-based formulas that are in California that I'm aware of. Um, I am not fans of their formulations. Um, I think they're not strong enough and I think and they're very expensive. Um, and I have pretty serious concerns about nanotechnology being used specifically for this application. Um, sorry, not nanotechnology, um, uh, uh, nano homogenization, um, which is totally. right now, of course about, we all uh, understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Homogenizers that, that take things down, um, to the, the, the nanoparticle size is um, people are touting it like it's a, a really good thing. Um, but I'm extremely wary of it because of the, uh, the, the way that we have learned that they will interact. Uh, so, you, I mean, I won't get into like super nitty gritty sciencey stuff. I talk way too much about that stuff. <laughs> people are always like, I was like, this is amazing. I feel like I'm watching an after school special. Like, <laughs> well, this is why Matisse and I are such a good partnership because she's the salesperson. She's like, knows how to sell the product. And I'm like, let me tell you about all the different homogenizing techniques. And they're all people, people's eyes glaze over. <laughs> it's just like, oh. I don't care. <laughs> but how great is it to find that yin and yang? Like that's what's really yeah. special is because that what makes the whole world go around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do, I feel really proud of our formula. Um, and we are the first um, definitely to, uh, to create it. And uh, I think we're just, we're pretty far ahead of the curve. Eventually there will be other people who, uh, you know, come out with, with products that are um, competitive. And again, you know, I'm, I'm a bad capitalist. I welcome them. I think that it's good for customers to have more choice. And I think there's space for all of us. Um, that's like the nicest thing anyone would say about a, a competitor. Potential <laughs> <Like, laughs> competition. You're like, no, just come on into the group. We'll hug you. It's great. No, after <laughs> of course, but but yeah, it's not like people, there's a limited number of people who want to have better sex or a limited right. number of people who like weed. I mean, come on, there's all we have to do is open up people's minds a little bit and get them to uh, be interested in, in the enhancing effects of cannabis for sexuality. And I mean, then the market is limitless. It's not, it's not limited. There's tons of people there for us. That's awesome. That's so wise. I love it. I love talking to you, Chelsea. You're fantastic. Oh, that's Kate. Okay, so let's, is there any, so Velvet Swing, like, is there going to be, like, additional products that you release? Are there any other ones that, um, you know, are going places that, you know, maybe other people aren't um, within the sexual world? Oh, definitely. We have something very exciting, but I can't actually talk about it yet. Um, some people have tried Velvet Kiss. We have a, a spray tincture that is out there. Um, so if you like our product and you want to have a companion um, intoxicating product, um, Velvet Kiss is a, a great option. It's designed to go with Velvet Swing. Um, and it is an oral uh, uh, spray tincture. It's a really fast onset. 
and uh, really lets you know where you're at right away. Nice and lower dose, um, but you, but it is uh, buildable. You can dose it to whatever you need, and um, it's, it's kind of just designed for sensuality and designed to to kind of have this whole body experience. So um, you can find Velvet Kiss uh, just by going to our website, velvetswing.com, and you can do a, a drop down to see where Velvet Kiss is carried. It's like a choose your own adventure. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So first off, and I wrote this down because I was like, I have to ask you. So through your story of how you got involved in making your own lube on your stovetop, like, can you please paint me a picture of how you would give this lube to friends? Because, like, I'm picturing housewarming. I'm picturing, like, I'm just, like, I'm just trying to, like, come up with all these scenarios in which, like, I am a perfect thing for that. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I want to hear one example or something. And I'm probably romanticizing it, but I, that was, I was like, so cool. Like, you're like, I'm looking out for you, and you get laid. So... It's like the natural well, thing that a friend can do for you. <laughs> I I'm I, I'm I kind of live in a special bubble. I live in a special world of like really sex positive people whose like lives are all about sexuality and like we we have, you know, like kind of an extra level of openness and freedom. So, you know, it's it it's it's much easier, I think, for, for me than for um uh, I don't know, muggles, <laughs> people who are not steeped in sex 24-7 um, to... Uh, sex. to Ooh, that's <laughs> it's true. I mean, I just, I, and, and I, I've known since I was a very young kid that I was just like, as soon as I knew what sex was, I was like, this is what I want my life to be about. I was sure of it. I was like, this is my thing. This is definitely what I'm interested in. Um, and a lot of people in the sex ed world and sex positivity circles, I think, are like that. So if I'm like, you know, at a party or hanging out with friends and saying stuff like, oh, I'm making a batch of lube, they're like, oh, yeah, let's try it. Okay, cool. And like, oh, have you tried cannabis lube? And then there's like eight people around and it's just like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll like, you know, do this. And these are all folks that I know really well. So it's not like, you know, I'm like. <laughs> just getting it away to strangers, right? Exactly. Like, say you're trying to have a second. Here, you know. <laughs> we actually had that. You want a good story, girl? That was my favorite. That was my favorite story. We had. Uh, we were secret shopping one time, and we went to a dispensary, and we are like, you know, not identifying ourselves, and we walk up to the counter, and we're, we ask the bartender, like, "Hey, what do you think about Velvet Swing?" And the counter was really high, so it was like up right mid abdomen on her. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, oh, and she takes a step to the right outside the, the counter and she's got this huge belly and she was like, well, it got me pregnant. So I'd say I'm a fan. <laughs> oh my God. That's so awesome. You basically, wow. Were you just like, great. yeah, I did that more or less. I know. I was just like a million high fives. Like this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's so, so yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about where listeners can learn more um, and also purchase Velvet Kiss and Velvet Swing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can just go to our website, which is velvetswing.com, nice and easy. Um, and there's a store locator on there, which for Washington is very, very accurate um, because you do have food to sale. So you just um, put in, you know, your address or your zip code and it'll show you where Every you know all the the shops that are near to you, um, which which shops near to you carry the product. Um, if you have questions, um, check out our FAQ. Uh, most everything that we typically get asked is there, but if you have any other questions beyond that, we have plenty of contact forms. There's a lot of ways to get in touch. You can just shoot us a quick uh, email, and uh, myself or Matisse will respond to you, and uh, and get you a, an answer. And um, we, uh, we just love educating people. We love breaking down uh, stigma and barriers and, and the things that prevent people from really accessing, um, accessing pleasure in general, you know, um, but especially pleasure through cannabis, which for, you know, for everything else that's out there, I mean, this is a truly revolutionary and it's not hyperbolic at all to say revolutionary thing 
for women's sexuality specifically. Um, and we just want to spread the word, you know, we want to get the, the word out as much as we possibly can. So, so the best place to really follow us is on Twitter and um, you'll get uh, at Velvet Swing. Um, and also um, you can follow Mistress Matisse at Mistress Matisse and you can follow me at Chelsea Sabara on Twitter. Um, and that's really the best place to, uh, to get good information and tips and links and sales and cool stuff that's going on. Um, events we do um, once all of this is over, <laughs> we do a lot of events um, regularly. I teach sex and cannabis workshops where you can come and kind of learn about not only Velvet Swing and other topicals, but all the different cool stuff that you can do to enhance your sex life with cannabis. So lots of good content. I love it. That's great. Well, I can't wait for all of this to blow over so that we can get back to that because it sounds like a really cool opportunity to learn more to improve your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate you taking time to speak with us all. Um, you're so knowledgeable, and all of the information is so easy to understand. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I, I really hope that your listeners uh, get something useful out of this and end up having awesome sex as a result. <laughs> Woo! Go team! Mm, that's dope. That is dope. And you're all dope. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Pop Moms podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Mom. Super Mom. There she is. Doing it all. Looking so beautiful.